but I forgot how to do it, and I didn't have time to Google it, so no tie. And uh, speaking of not remembering how to do things, I'm not totally sure I know how to do this part anymore. So we'll see uh, if this works or not. Uh, I do feel a little bit like uh, the Tin Man and the Wizard of Oz, and uh, it's a rainy day. And uh, so if you hear some squeaking and clinking and, you know, um, that's just me. Don't worry. It's all right. Uh, I have an oil can available and we'll, we'll get through it. Um, I do suppose that it's appropriate to be uh, returning to work on Labor Day. And uh, um, we will work together to listen to what God has to say. Uh, it's good to be back with you this morning. And uh, I look forward to um, unpacking some of my learning over the past several months. I'll begin that project a little bit today and uh, press into that over the next few weeks to come. And uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing some of the things that you've been learning this summer and uh, where God has been at work in your lives. Um, As we prepare to do that, would you uh, bow your heads with me and join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for being here with your people. Uh, We're reminded of your presence in all sorts of ways. This morning, we're reminded in the the laughter and the warmth of uh, the greetings that we share that you are here. Uh, We're reminded in the ways that uh, we experience you in nature around us and the the storms uh, that roll through and in the refreshment and nourishment of the rain. We're reminded that you are here with us as we open your word and as we listen for your voice speaking to us in ways that are uh, at once corporate and collective in ways that you call us all to be together in certain ways and also um, in ways that are very personal and very individual and even intimate. Help us to hear you today. Lord, we ask that as we bow before you, that this time uh, itself would not only be a time of learning and thinking and reflecting, but that this would be a time of worship as we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to uh, read a text uh, with you this morning, and uh, we're looking at uh, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 9 beginning at verse 28. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothing became dazzling white. Then two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. And they were glorious to see. And they were speaking of how he was about to fulfill God's plan by dying in Jerusalem. Peter and the others were very drowsy and had fallen asleep. That's the text I'm going to be focusing on today, so don't do that. And when they woke up and saw Jesus' glory uh, and the two men standing with him, and as Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, this is wonderful. Uh, We'll make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud came over them, and terror gripped them as it covered them. And then a voice from the cloud said, 
This is my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice died away, Jesus was there alone. And they didn't tell anyone what they had seen until long after this had happened. We'll ask God to bless this reading, his holy and inspired word. Amen. So we uh, think about a a Labor Day weekend. Uh, I suppose there are several different directions that uh, our our thinking could go together. Uh, One of the ways that we could uh, uh, spend our time, uh, and it would be appropriate to spend time thinking about issues of uh, economic justice. And uh, the New Testament has just tons and tons and tons of stuff to say about the ways that we use our economic resources. Uh, It would be appropriate on a Labor Day weekend for us as followers of Jesus to think about the responsibilities that those of us who have uh, power and position in this world have relative to the uh, resources of the world and the relationships that we have with others that we're called to steward. We could spend time thinking about all of those things on a Labor Day weekend. We could spend some time today thinking about the labor, about the work of Jesus, and we will uh, spend time touching on the work of Jesus. But what I'd really like to do with us today uh, is to uh, um, just draw a few comments out of this text Uh, that help me to distinguish between my job and my work. And making that distinction uh, is a useful distinction as we think about our lives together as disciples and as followers of Jesus. And uh, as we make that distinction in this text today, um, my prayer is that you'll find some traction there as well. As we uh, think about the distinction between job and work, uh, maybe that is a distinction that you haven't spent a whole lot of time making. Uh, Oftentimes in our culture, we use the word job and work almost interchangeably as though they're synonyms, uh, as though they're about the same thing. Uh, This past summer, in my reading, I came across a book by uh, Peter Matheson uh, called The Snow Leopard. Has anybody read The Snow Leopard? Uh, It's a great uh, tale, and uh, it is sort of part uh, travel memoir, and it is part philosophical reflection on the nature of work and vocation. And uh, in The Snow Leopard, Matheson uh, makes a um, distinction between the idea of job and work. And the story that he tells in the book is uh, the story of a 250-mile adventure across the Himalayas that he undertakes with the biologist George Schaller. And the purpose of their trek across the Himalayas is to study the migratory and mating patterns of the Himalayan blue sheep, right? Riveting stuff. Uh, and uh, in, in many ways for uh, the biology community, and uh, uh, it's, important, uh, it's an important job to get done. It's, uh, it's important in its own right. But what Matheson says is that there's sort of a, an underlying motive. Uh, there's, a, there's another possibility that he is undertaking on this trek, and that is the possibility of seeing uh, the rarest and, in some people's view, the most beautiful of the great cats, uh, the snow leopard. Uh, one writer says that the snow leopard in this book is the symbol of ultimate reality. 
the snow leopard is the symbol of ultimate reality. And it's the search for the snow leopard. It's the tantalizing possibility that the snow leopard could make an appearance. That actually provides the energy and the drive for Matheson's trek. And this demographic study of the sheep is simply the job. It's the cover. It's the societally approved way of engaging the thing that really matters most to Matheson. Now, in our consumer culture, it can seem almost uh, blasphemous to suggest that there can be something that matters more than our jobs. Our jobs give us uh, something to structure our time and our day around. Our jobs give us a, a sense of value and worth. Our, our jobs uh, confer power and status on us as they allow us to uh, uh, buy and sell uh, goods and services. Our jobs have often in our lives become the source of our ultimate significance, our worth and our identity. Uh, I got a little bit of a taste of how seductive and powerful the lure of a job can be in the first few weeks of my sabbatical. I wasn't prepared for uh, that experience. And all of a sudden, when I woke up on a Monday morning and I didn't have a job to go and do, uh, I felt very disoriented. Uh, I felt a little depressed. I was a little out of sorts with myself. And after a few weeks of sort of uh, wandering around in that condition, I finally called up Tammy and said, I think we've made a terrible mistake. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll never survive this sabbatical. And she said, well, if you really need something to do, I have a list of things. And that was the last time I had that conversation with Tammy uh, about what I needed to do. But what I was getting present to was the idea that my job had become so central to my identity that when my job went away, I didn't even know who I was. And here's what I learned. When I no longer had a job, I still had work. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you are between jobs. Maybe as you sit here today, the truth is that you're also consumed by your job. Maybe you are about to enter the job market or you are currently preparing to enter the job market. And wherever you stand today in relationship to a job, a cover, my invitation is to say there's also work that we're called to do. Let's see this in this text here today, the story of the transfiguration. It's a famous story in the Christian story. Uh, it's a story that shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of the synoptic Gospels tell the story of the transfiguration. In the Eastern tradition of the church, in the Orthodox church, the uh, Sunday of the transfiguration is celebrated as just as much of a high and holy holiday as Christmas and Easter. It's sort of uh, uh, in that uh, um, trinity of holidays for the Eastern Orthodox Church. It's never quite reached that status for us here in the West. 
but nevertheless, it's an important event in the life of Jesus and the life of these disciples. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the story, and basically the story that they tell is uh, really clear. It isn't hard for us to uh, figure out the timeline and the narrative and the course of events that happen. The story itself is clear, but at the same time it defies explanation. Uh, The transfiguration takes us into a realm of mystery and transcendence and power that we just simply don't have categories to understand. We don't have great ways to think about glowing people in our culture. But within the biblical tradition, it makes perfect sense. Within the biblical story, uh, the radiant light that we see shining on the mountain of transfiguration takes us all the way back and helps us to uh, reconnect with the glory of God that we see in the Old Testament stories. Maybe you think about Mount Sinai and the glory of God that is seen uh, radiating from the mountain. And it's this radiant light that stands for the very presence of God himself. And so what we're getting here on the mountain of transfiguration is a glimpse into the divinity of Jesus. It's a rare glimpse. It's a rare sighting of Jesus in all of his divine glory and splendor. It's a picture of the glorified Son of God. It's a snow leopard sighting. And it's so overwhelming, and it's so spectacular, that the disciples are knocked out cold. I think the way that they tell the story here in the Gospels that they were drowsy and they went to sleep, I think uh, it's their way of sort of softening the reality of what's happening. They were absolutely terrified and they passed out. And when they come to, they wake up, and uh, Peter very characteristically engages his mouth before he engages his brain. And he says, let's build something. Let's get busy. We have some projects that we could get underway. Let's build a tabernacle, he says. He wants to build a tabernacle. It's a way to to draw together the things that are happening there in the midst of that that experience, to to preserve it, and even to extend it if that's possible. And Peter wants to get busy. He says, let's be productive. Let's take charge. Let's do something that matters. And maybe Peter is already looking around for just the right patch of ground on that stony hilltop that that they could begin to build those tabernacles. And maybe he's already working his fingernails under the edges of uh, just the right flat stone that could serve as the cornerstone to a foundation. And he's already getting busy. And all of a sudden, the sunlight behind him is obscured as a cloud begins to descend on that hilltop. And then, and then, as if things couldn't get any more frightening, the voice of God speaks out of the cloud. And the voice of God says, this is my chosen one. Listen to him. Is it possible in the story here that the voice of God is cutting through all of Peter's busyness and all of his activity in all of the little jobs that he wants to do. He says, you don't need to do a job right now. Here's your work. Listen 
to Jesus. Pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Attend to him. In our jobs, you and I are busy. Our jobs are busy whether our job is done for a paycheck, whether it is done as a volunteer, whether it is done in order to please a spouse who has a list of jobs for you to do. In our jobs, we are busy. In our jobs, we are productive, we're producing, we're creating goods and services. But our work is listening. Our work is paying attention to Jesus. It's attending to the words of the chosen one. Our job might be counting sheep, but our work is to notice the presence of the snow leopard and to attend to ultimate reality. And the story of the transfiguration, as Luke tells it, makes it absolutely clear that Jesus is the ultimate reality. That there is no greater reality than Jesus. It isn't a mistake that Jesus in the story is standing on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. Moses is the giver of the law, and Elijah is one of the greatest prophets that Israel has ever known. And together, Moses and Elijah represent a very powerful truth. They represent the power of God and the presence of God and the purpose of God and the, and the promises of God's work in the unfolding life of his people. The law and the prophets are the bedrock of the identity of God's people. And yet, Jesus stands with them, not as an equal, but as the fulfillment of thousands of years of God's promise and purpose and work. Jesus stands as the fulfillment of what the very law and the prophets were pointing to in the first place. And so Luke invites us to make a couple of very specific comparisons. Do you remember when Moses went up on his mountain and he went up on the mountain to have a conversation with God and he was going to receive the law and in the exchange, Moses gets a little bit carried away with himself and Moses says, let me see you. It's a perfectly understandable longing to see the face of God. Let me just see you. Let me catch a glimpse of you, God. And do you remember what God says to Moses? He says, if you saw my face, you wouldn't survive it. You would die. And it would be overwhelming for you. But you can look at my back. You can see the back of my head. Jesus stands on this mountain. And he says, you can look at my face. You can see the glory of God. Jesus is superior to Moses. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that Moses was pointing to. Moses pointed to the need. 
Moses showed us the brokenness. Moses reminded us that separated from God, we are dead, and, and that on our own, we can't handle the full presence of God. Moses only points to the need. Jesus points to the solution. He says, I'm the solution. And now, standing with me, with me, in me, because of me, you get to see the face of God, what Moses could only hope for. When Moses comes back from the mountain, even though his encounter with God was limited and secondary and, and sort of provisional in all sorts of ways, Moses' own face is radiant, it's glowing. And Moses' own face is glowing so much that he has to put a veil over his face or, or uh, he's, he, it's painful for others to see him. And as radiant as Moses' face was, it's only a secondary radiance. It's a reflection of the radiance that he saw in God. Moses' radiance is a reflected glory. Luke is really clear that Jesus' radiance is his very own. The radiance of Jesus is not a reflection. It's not a mirror. It's not secondary in any sense at all, but Jesus' radiance is his own glory. Jesus is the fulfillment of what Moses and Elijah were merely pointing towards. And then Luke shares with us in his story the conversation that happens between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. How many times as you read through the, the text of the New Testament do you wish that you could be a fly on the wall and hear the stories or hear the, the exchanges that are happening behind the scenes or around the corner or after the curtain drops? And here Luke says, I'm going to tell you what their conversation was about. And he says they were talking about the work that Jesus was going to do. The language that our translation uses in verse 31, they were glorious to see, they were speaking of how he was about to fulfill God's plan. Uh, that language obscures the language of the original text just a little bit. When they, uh, behind that language in our translation, uh, lies the Greek word exodus. What they were talking about was Jesus' exodus work. It's fascinating that Moses, who led the Old Testament exodus, is now here in the New Testament talking with Jesus, the new Moses, the fulfillment of Moses, about his exodus work. And what Luke is suggesting to us is that while Moses, in the Old Testament, was the leader of the pivotal, defining event in all of the Hebrew scriptures. The Exodus is the identity and the birth and, and the storyline that propels Israel forward. But Moses' Exodus was merely a political Exodus, an economic Exodus, and it was a temporary Exodus. Because we know that as the story of Israel unfolds, that eventually the people of Israel are returned into an exile. It's an unraveling of the exodus. Jesus' exodus, on the other hand, is an exodus that leads his people out of sin and out of death 
Yes, there are political and economic implications for how that unfolds, but Jesus' exodus work is an exodus out of death. It's an, it's an exodus out of endings. It's, it's an exodus out of our brokenness. And Jesus' exodus is permanent. It will never be undone. Jesus is leading his people, bringing his people into the promised land of God's new kingdom where all things are made new. In every way in this story, Jesus is the ultimate reality. There's nothing greater. Listen to him. We also see in the story why it is that our jobs can never be our ultimate reality. Our jobs can never be our ultimate reality as much as we may want them to be because we have a finite and a limited and an obscured understanding of our jobs, of the role that we are called to play. Peter is mistaken in his agenda. Uh, When Peter says he wants to build these tabernacles, in a way what Peter is saying is, uh, let's take a a, a picture of this moment. Let's capture this moment. Let's, Let's preserve what's happening here. If we have these booths or tabernacles or, or shrines installed. Uh, it's a way of, of, of um, extending this experience and keeping us all together. Let's just keep everything like it is right now. This is so amazing. And what Peter doesn't understand, what Peter can't see, what Peter won't see, is that there's another hill coming. There's another climb to another hill, and, and on the top of that hill, the glory of Jesus is going to be revealed in an entirely different way. And Peter's job, his busyness, his efforts, don't understand the work that Jesus is about to do. Our job can never be ultimate. In every way, Jesus is the ultimate reality. And my work, and your work, is to listen to him. And it is hard work. There are distractions inside of us. There are distractions outside of us. There are reasons that we tell ourselves we don't want to listen to what Jesus is saying because we might not like what he says. We might not want to admit the implications of who Jesus is as the ultimate reality. N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, How can you live with the terrifying thought that the hurricane has become human, that the fire has become flesh, that life itself came to life and walked in our midst. Christianity either means that or it means nothing. It is either the most devastating disclosure of the deepest reality in the world or it's a sham, a nonsense. And most of us, he says, unable to cope with saying either of those two things, condemn ourselves to live in the shallow world in between. 
my prayer this weekend is that none of us, neither you nor I, will be content to settle for that in-between. That a job will never be enough. My prayer for myself is that I will never be so distracted by my job of preaching or teaching or coaching or leading a meeting or preparing to do all of those things that I miss the ultimate reality as I miss the snow leopard, stealthy and shadowy and maybe even rarely seen, but that is always around if only we would pay attention, if only we would listen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we confess this morning.